The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Navigating the Cancer Maze with Grace Goller. Dealing with cancer is by no means easy to handle, but our program aims to make it easier through knowledge. Whether you've been recently diagnosed, are going through treatment right now, or are a survivor, our program will have points that you should hear. And by sharing our stories together, we'll make it truly a life-changing experience that you don't have to go through alone. Now, here is your host, Grace Goller. Hello and welcome to today's Navigating the Cancer Maze. I'm your host, Grace Gawler. And the show, as usual, is brought to you by the Grace Gawler Institute for Integrated Cancer Solutions. We're located on the Gold Coast in Australia, but we have a worldwide reach for you, the cancer patient, who needs to get reliable and authentic information and learn about strategies of how to deal with cancer. I've got 40 years experience in working in the field of cancer and supportive care medicine. Also, I have 30 years experience as a botanical medicine practitioner. Uh, Qualified in that some time back, uh, beginning studies in 1979 and completing them in 1984. So I've had a specialist practice in working pretty well 99% with cancer patients during all of that time. Now, I know that complementary medicines are very popular with cancer patients today, and some believe they're an alternative even to conventional medicine treatments, rather than a complement or an adjunct to other treatments that they may be having. Patients tend not to disclose natural medicines, however. They don't tell their doctor, they don't tell their oncologists, and some oncologists don't ask. Some patients take an each-way bet. They use both conventional and natural medicines. The each-way bet, I call that. But in most cases, they'll never tell their doctor or oncologist what they're doing and what they're taking. Now, why is this? We're going to have a look at this today. Um, And I think it's because, and this is feedback from uh, my patients who uh, tell me actually what they're taking after a little questioning when they feel that they are not going to be prejudiced in any way, especially in the consultations that I do with uh, a GP. We do team consultations. So I've learned a lot about what patients will tell and what patients will not tell um, their medical practitioners And uh, the results of this have been patients have said that they really feared a prejudiced attitude towards them 
or ridiculing them for choices that they deemed to be very important choices towards their health because they've read material or perhaps they've visited some naturopaths and it's the thing that's given them some hope and some faith that there might be something that they can do other than the other medicine that they're having. Some doctors tell people stop everything. Um, you're not allowed to take any complementary medicine because it's not considered to be real medicine. And so herein, there's many, many layers to this, but herein lies an enormous modern-day dilemma because we know now that many alternative and complementary medicines, especially the botanically-based ones, are real medicines with real active phytochemical content. Um, today I'm going to have a very in-depth look at one of those known as curcumin. Um, curcumin as the, um, the, the condiment that we use in the, the spicy food and curcumin as the medicine for cancer patients because I think this one is a great example of uh, covering this whole spectrum of complementary medicines and cancer. Now remember if you want to follow up resources and get more information about the content from today's show or from our past shows, remember you can visit my blog gracegawlermedia.com and you can join that blog and follow it and get a weekly delivery of cancer resources mentioned on the show direct to your email. So by visiting the blog you'll see in the widget area on the right hand side how to join up. So people um, think of complementary medicines as being safe and they think they won't cause any problems. However, there's a whole other side to this because complementary medicines may cause side effects unto themselves or more importantly, they may interact with prescription medicines um, that you are taking. We know that there's also some interactions as there is with uh, pharmaceuticals, with medical pharmaceuticals. They may interact with alcohol or other drugs. And also they may interact with complementary medicines that you're taking, um, other complementary medicines. Sometimes there's hundreds if not thousands of phytochemicals in a substance that we would know as a, a complementary medicine. And we have no idea really how they interact. If you were taking 10 other complementary medicines, what could be the outcome there? So if you're doing that, you're a bit of a walking experiment. And um, some of the, the side effects or issues that you may be facing where you can't exactly pinpoint it, have a look at what you're taking and see if any of those substances just could possibly be interacting. And there'll be some resources towards the end of the show of where you can look these sorts of things up as well as listed on the blog. So it's important to tell your health professionals that you are taking these particular medicines. Bite the bullet, um, have a go, see what kind of reaction you get. And perhaps it's not a bad idea to take in a list of questions that you've printed out. And uh, we'll mention these towards the end of the show as well. And you can just hand these questions actually to your doctor and get a yes or a no. And a lot of people are very disappointed when they do this because it's often a no and they think, well, the doctor just wants to uh, benefit the pharmaceutical industry. But remember, most uh, pharmacies and chemists now have a huge range 
of uh, what we would call alternative and complementary medicines. So wherever it's coming from, it does mean big dollars, but I think when it's uh, your health that's concerned, you just need to become a little bit wise and a little bit educated and not just grab things off the shelf willy-nilly or um, just uh, take what's prescribed by a naturopath without checking in that it's okay to take if you have cancer. Now, as we said, some complementary and alternative medicines can interfere with cancer treatments. This has become um, a bit of a head-scratcher for myself. I've got uh, six years of study behind me in botanical medicine and a distinction in that subject. And yet for me, as patients come along, as new chemotherapies and new antibodies come along, I'm on a never-ending search in the research areas um, of the journals and the, the internet things that I subscribe to to find out what the possible interactions could be because some of them could be quite deadly um, and that's no exaggeration. So it's important to let your practitioners know, your oncologist know what you are taking. It's better to be on the safe side. And look, it's likely to say they'll start, say stop everything while you're having the chemo. And that's probably not a bad idea, at least until the chemotherapy has been metabolized out of your body. Um, so unfortunately, the no at times may be the best answer, but it may not be the best answer also long term after the chemotherapy has been metabolized out. There are a number of very good complementary medicines that you can use to help increase your host resistance. Um, these need to be prescribed for you. I guess a good example of um, what I've been talking about is uh, there was a review published in the American Journal of Clinical Oncology and they discovered that some common herbal remedies um, such as garlic, ginkgo, ginkgo biloba, echinacea, ginseng, kava and St John's wort, just to name a few, can all interact with cancer treatments. So they're fairly common, uh, common variety uh, supplements. Now, when we think of garlic, we're not talking about the garlic that you eat. Um, garlic that you eat, you'd have to eat a lot of it to get a very strong therapeutic effect from it. But it's actually taking garlic in a large amount, an amount of garlic that you could never possibly eat, um, or a derivative from garlic that makes it become not a food, but a medicine. And it's the way that that process is done that you always need to uh, be able to consider. So um, some of these herbal treatments may actually affect the way that drugs are broken down by your body. And this is one of the, the key issues in taking it with um, chemotherapy. Uh, also can influence the way that the drugs are carried around your body. So the National Cancer Institute um, had a look at this and they suggested from their research that St John's wort, um, which is hypericum in the common name, can actually speed up the time that your body takes to get rid of the anti-cancer treatment, Gleevec, by 44%. So speed up by 44% for the excretion. So this could potentially mean that the treatment is less effective at fighting your cancer. Some herbal medicines may increase the effect of cancer drugs as well, meaning that it's possible that you could be over-treated. 
So uh, again, the advice of a professional uh, who knows about these things, uh, probably one of the really common and uh, a little bit unusual ones and promoted particularly through the Gerson diet, but now through many other um, ways of having lifestyle approaches to cancer treatment is coffee enemas. And uh, it's a common practice now in natural medicine circles. I cannot, for my way of thinking, um, come to terms with the natural way of drinking coffee via the rectum. Um, it's, it's certainly way, way out there. But um, yes, of course, it's not meant to be drinking coffee. It's meant to be a cleanse. But it's not a natural way of delivery, if you think about it. Um, jokes aside though although deemed only helpful and harmless to patients who are taking the each way bet and combining conventional and complementary medicine in my experience and I've actually seen a lot of this coffee enemas can help you excrete treatments by speeding up that time that your body takes to get rid of the anti-cancer treatment that you're having so using coffee enemas throughout um, your treatments your conventional treatments and possibly even through some of the good complementary treatments that you're having you may be excreting what you need in order to help kill cancer cells and help you to heal it's very complex and I guess by now you're getting that idea um, in fact a lot of my patients start saying well it's almost safer to just eat really well and do nothing and I say well yes that's probably fairly true and to just take a couple of supplements um, no more than three or four that have been prescribed and that are really targeted towards um, your treatment and that are evidence-based this seems to be a better way um, I think to navigate through this very complex complementary and alternative cancer treatment maze um, two more to mention here Asian ginseng and bilberry um, also can interfere with drugs and as well as that can actually increase the risk of bleeding after you have surgery some herbs as well and hypericum again is one of these can make your skin more sensitive to light and so therefore they should not be taken during a course of radiotherapy hypericum is often given for um, people who are suffering depression and um, it's because of the serotonin um, that this particular herb um, helps to promote in the body but there's a problem with that as well and there's a problem with overtaking it so if you had a serotonin producing tumor for instance and were suffering from depression the last thing that you want to take is um, is hypericum even if it was uh, prescribed for you that would be an absolute contraindication and uh, the tumors known as carcinoid tumors neuroendocrine tumors uh, sometimes actually secrete serotonin so you could get a really big rebound uh, effect from that now look research is happening all around the world to help patients and practitioners with this big dilemma of what's safe and and what what needs to sort of change in the system in the way that products can be either produced or presented to cancer patients and we uh, certainly need that research coming fairly soon with the number of medications and complementary medicine medications that are available on the shelf. Um, at the end of the show and on the blog, remember there'll be some resources that pertain to this information that I'm sharing with you today. So I'd just like to go back for a moment to why people don't tell their healthcare professionals. 
Um, according to the research, about half the people who use complementary medicines do not tell all their healthcare professionals. And the reasons cited are as follows. People don't think as complementary medicines as medicine, that one we touched on early um, in the segment. Thinking that products promoted as botanical or natural are automatically safe and not likely to cause side effects. That's another one. The belief that their healthcare professional is either not interested or won't understand why they want to use complementary medicines. And that's an education issue. I think medicine, conventional medicines, really fallen behind on that one. Um, and most people who go to an alternative or complementary practitioner are going to get one very important thing, perhaps two. And the first one is time, that the complementary practitioner often really takes time with the patients and makes them feel like they're um, cared about and that they're going to get help from this person. And I think the second thing, other than time, um, is um, is the care aspect. Um, I know a lot of people here in Australia in the seven-minute consultation, walk in, talk about your problem, walk out with a script, um, is really not in keeping with the way that the population is thinking about health and thinking about complementary medicines in their use. So somehow we have to build a bridge with that. Actually trying to do that in my new practice called Health Intelligence Australia, where I'm doing a team consultation with the GP and myself to get the best of both worlds approach for our patients. We're going to take a break now on Navigating the Cancer Maze and we'll be back talking more about this very important subject. Don't go away. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Listen each week to Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller, from the Grace Goller Institute as she interviews cancer medicine experts, researchers, allied health professionals, patients, and caregivers. Navigating the Cancer Maze provides you with information, education, inspiration, and a toolkit that will equip you wherever you are and whoever you are to effectively navigate your way through the cancer maze. The Grace Scholar Institute also provides ebook resources. Be inspired. Be empowered. Visit the Institute's website at www.gracegolarinstitute.com or email institute at gracegolar.com. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health & Wellness. You are tuned into Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller. We'd love to hear from you today on our program. Please call us toll-free from North America at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. International callers may dial in to 480-553-5759. You may also send an email to institute at gracegoller.com. Now, back to Navigating the Cancer Maze. We're back on Navigating the Cancer Maze. I'm Grace Gawley, your host. And the show today, we're talking about complementary medicines and alternative medicines in cancer treatments. 
So be sure to tell nurses or pharmacists or indeed any of the healthcare professionals uh, where you're having treatment or before starting conventional treatment they must know if you're taking complementary medicines. Now some patients who come to see me have bunny hopped if you like around the town and they might have seen three or four or five um, complementary practitioners and they have not told the other practitioner that they've seen someone else and they've been prescribed certain things. So what I find when someone comes in to see me is that they often bring in a very large bag full of things that they got from uh, this practitioner, things they got from that practitioner, things they bought at the health food store and things they read about. And it finishes up being quite a large bag of tricks to actually go through. And when one looks at all of the content um, that are in some of those products, the the synergy and uh, the mixing of the combinations of those products, for a better word, um, is not actually known about. I find people are overloading on zinc, overloading on copper, overloading on all these other aspects because they haven't read the labels to see that, oh, I'm taking something um, and it's in four or five or six different things. So you finish up with a real overload of these substances which heaven only knows what that's going to do. Some of these things may not be able to be excreted from the body and may be really meddlesome. And I have a very, very bad suspicion that we are going to start to see um, actual medical conditions that are induced by the overuse of supplements. So if you don't tell your healthcare professionals that you're using these complementary uh, medicines or um, even let's call them alternative as well, you may put your health seriously at risk. So it's important that you tell them the type and the name of the complementary medicine you're taking. I ask people to, to bring them in with me. Now your oncologist is probably going to say, I don't know. Um, and he'll just say, stop everything more than likely. And if that's the case, find yourself a guide, somebody who can have a look at all of those things and tell you what's appropriate for you to take, maybe in the off time uh, from treatment, but also that you don't get this overload of the various um, ingredients and phytochemicals. You need to also write down how often you take the medicine and what the dose rate is. So it's important that you actually have them with you whenever you see the person who's going to go through all this material because you need to know the amount of the active ingredient in each dose. And uh, the botanical names are often not known by patients. So those botanical names, if it's a good product, are usually there on the label. Um, just another little caution here, there's a lot of popularity around now about taking essential oils by mouth. I'd really caution on that and I'm actually going to do a show on that at some particular point. We've had some patients who have had liver toxicity um, by the synergy of taking uh, vitamin um, B17 via apricot kernels and actually that's synergizing with um, oregano oil and other oils and even cannabis oil. Um, so there's a lot of fine print here that you, the patient, unfortunately doesn't know. So really important to check it out with the experts in the field. Um, you need to also let them know how long you've been taking a particular medicine 
It's interesting. What was this medicine supposed to do and did, did it live up to what it was supposed to do? Was there a change in the way you felt? Was there a positive thing? Have you noticed any negative things about that? Important to know whether it basically worked for you. Um, if you change any medicines too while you're going through um, your treatments, if you've been to another practitioner and you've added something in, not a bad idea to just report that back um, to your oncologist or whoever is in charge, even a nurse um, practitioner, chemotherapy deliverer in your hospital. Really communicate, communicate, communicate about these things. I can't say it enough. And if you're advised to stop using complementary medicines at all, just ask why. Um, sometimes they'll say we don't know because we just don't know what's going to happen. And sometimes there could be a very good reason behind that. Um, I don't think it's wise just to assume that they're all biased and uh, prejudiced against complementary medicines. It's a relatively new field in the terms of scientific investigation because we're not using plant substances like we used to in the old folklore days they're now multiplied in in amount they've got standardized amounts in them we hope or some of them haven't and that's a problem too so there could be some very good reasons really um, why you uh, should stop taking or reassess what you've been taking in the sense of complementary medicines. Now, good resources for looking at this. Memorial Sloan Kettering site on complementary medicines. You can type that into Google or go to the blog and uh, I'll have that information and resource there for you. We've interviewed Dr. Barry Casillith on the show before. We've had a few encores of her presentation due to popular demand because I think this is a subject that cancer patients in particular are really interested in. We really want to know what's the what's the safe thing to take and not just make um, guesses. So their site is really excellent. And also cancerresearchuk.org has a terrific section there about taking complementary medicines, alternative medicines, and I'll put a few more on the blog as well for you so that uh, you can do some of your own research there. Now to a really big one, complementary medicines not being always natural or safer. Um, because it comes from a natural source, supposedly a complementary uh, medicine or supplement is thought to be fairly neutral. Now, if it was neutral, you wouldn't be taking it, so it's got to have some kind of therapeutic advantage in it. So natural substances, of course, still have the potential to be harmful for, to us. And there's um, an old adage that everything is toxic. It only matters about the dose. So um, even water can be toxic if you take too much of it. Some of these phytochemicals have different levels of toxicity. So it is important that we get them tested in exactly the same way that we're testing pharmaceutical drugs. Now, some of the complementary medicines, while their original source may have been natural, they're uh, manufactured uh, in quite a different way so that the end product is not really a natural Product. Now, when I see patients in my practice, um, so many of them uh, have originally refused to have pharmaceutical drugs or chemotherapy. They're often shocked when I explain to them that natural medicines actually become a drug or a pharmaceutical product once they're altered into a way that can be administered by intravenous injection or intramuscular injection. And many of them are altered 
orally as well. So this comes as a real surprise and a real shock and it takes a bit of readjusting. And I guess the best example um, just briefly here is vitamin C because there's no way we could infuse ascorbic acid as an IV infusion. Um, it's very, very acidic. It must be modified in the laboratory to be put into a buffered form that can be administered as an IV injection. Now, here's the next kind of shock wave. Unfortunately, nearly all the dietary supplements that are marketed as vitamin C these days are synthetic. They're synthetic isolates, and guess what? They're often made with genetically modified corn, GMO corn from factories in China. Now, ascorbic acid is the product most paraded as vitamin C and the essential, but it's really a laboratory-produced synthetic isolate, meaning it's only got a single component of the vitamin C. Now, in Mother Nature, and my herbal medicine um, lecturer was always talking about this, that the best form of vitamin C for people to take was rose hips because it had all the natural components um, that vitamin C needed in order to be absorbed properly. It was a whole food. So whenever we start fiddling with foods and taking out one particular um, aspect of that and then marketing it as a, as a supplement product, it's fraught with um, issues. And it may not act as perhaps vitamin C might act. And I think it's important for you, the consumer, to know this because we are trained to think that all these wonderful things are from a totally natural source. Now, when I was doing my herbal medicine, uh, quite often I would uh, be buying my product. I'd, I'd look at who grew it. I'd look at how it was grown. I'd look at how it was processed. Um, I always had it stored in glass bottles. Um, I knew the products that I was prescribing. And in those days, in the early days, we made up little brown bottles with um, very simple herbal mixtures in them uh, for patients. But I knew what was in there and everything about how it was likely to work in the body, perhaps better than anything today. But once you start um, processing these products and changing the way that they would act in nature, you have a very different product. The way it's going to work in the body is a very different way and we don't really know much about how that's going to impact. So by eating your vitamin C rich fruits, I don't think it's any coincidence that in the, uh, the native tribes in the desert when they had oranges, they ate the whole orange, um, the pith, everything, even the skin. That might be carrying whole food too far, but what a package of absorbable vitamin C that our bodies have over many, many, um, probably millions of years adapted to. Berries are fantastic, the mixture of berries, and if you can get those organically grown, even better. There's a lot of plants that have got high in vitamin C and can be a part of your diet as well. So this subject is so important, I think. I'm going to invite a vitamin C expert onto the show soon to discuss this very important topic. So if you want to sign up to receive an e-card notification here at Voice America or via my um, my blog, please do so and you'll get details of when this show will go to air. 
We're going to take another break now on Navigating the Cancer Maze and I'll be back shortly with more on this interesting subject of complementary therapies in cancer. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Learn to navigate the cancer maze with trusted professionals in cancer health care. The Grace Goller Institute, a not-for-profit organization with an established track record, a global clientele, and expertise in local and international referrals. The Institute's founder has almost 40 years' experience as a multidiscipline cancer strategist with a focus on finding options and implementing personalized care for cancer patients. The Grace Goller Institute can help you navigate the cancer maze. Why not email the Institute today at institute at gracegoller.com or visit their website at gracegollerinstitute.com. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. are tuned into Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller. We'd love to hear from you today on our program. Please call us toll-free from North America at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. International callers may dial in to 480-553-5759. You may also send an email to institute at gracegoller.com. Now, back to Navigating the Cancer Maze. We're back on Navigating the Cancer Maze. I'm your host, Grace Gawler, talking to you today about uh, complementary therapies based on my experience as a um, botanical prescriber for some 30 years. Uh, just in uh, rounding off um, the subject before we go to talking about curcumin today, uh, there are some things that are very important for you to know, particularly if you're going to have any prescribed diagnostic tests or any surgery. So it's important, again, with the complementary medicines that you're taking, um, if you're scheduled for um, any of those procedures, you may need to either adjust the dose before the procedure or actually stop taking um, the uh, particular complementary therapy completely. So this is different to, um, say, during a chemotherapy. But if you're going to have surgery, this is quite important. And uh, many practitioners uh, today, many surgeons are saying to people, are you taking any fish oil? Do you take warfarin? Because they're considering that both of those things can have a realistic effect um, in actually thinning your blood. Uh, so it's interesting that they are looking at fish oil in that particular way too. So uh, there's many, many herbal preparations and Chinese medicines too, uh, many other medicines from different cultures that contain the phytochemicals that can, as they say, thin the blood. Um, Curcumin is actually one of those. Um, Fish oil is another one. Garlic. There's one around called natokinase, which is considered to be a natural um, blood thinner. Vitamin E. Uh, bromelain, which is an enzyme that's derived from pineapple, um, is another one. And ginseng and bilberry, as we discussed before, are also uh, problems. So 
uh, to err on the safe side rather than having a, um, a nasty hemorrhage during your cancer surgery or indeed anyone who's taking complementary medicines even if you don't have cancer. It's best to just stop those things um, a good three to four days at least uh, before you actually have your surgery or before you have a diagnostic procedure because we also do not know how some of these um, phytochemicals can affect uh, the reagents and the testing that we have for looking at things like tumour markers and um, other components of the blood. So just retracking a little bit there, it's very important when we talk about garlic to know that there's a chemical difference when the plant derivative is used as a food or a condiment. In the case of um, curcumin, there's no problem with having a curry, um, for instance. But it's when you're going to use that substance therapeutically. Therefore, it's a concentrated therapeutic substance and the active ingredient is likely to be potentised and standardised for sale as a medicine. That's a whole different thing than the, even the fresh turmeric that you buy or the turmeric that you buy in the supermarket, the curcumin. So again, get back to your health practitioner and ask what to do. Now, for those of you who are listening in the US, uh, there is um, a college which is very well known, the John Bastier um, College of Naturopathic Medicine. You can look them up on the website, um, on, on Google. Now, you'll find that they do a lot of very fine training for natural health practitioners. Uh, in the US, some people even from overseas have um, trained there, and they have a course actually for naturopathic oncology. So that's also worth knowing about, and uh, anyone who's got those kind of credentials would be somebody who you can get advice from on uh, navigating the complementary um, treatment maze in cancer. Um, choosing your complementary medicines don't just go to the health food store or go into the pharmacy and I know some of them have a naturopath who's there who's happy to help you um, but remember they're only going to see you for a few minutes they'll likely just ask you a few questions find out your symptoms and sell you the products that you may take continuously believing to be good for you I actually had this happen with a lady many, many years ago who got selenium poisoning and um, she had been taking selenium um, as sodium selenite as the drops. She had been prescribed selenium in about five different products because no one knew that she'd been to, to other therapists and she'd actually bought um, some products with selenium in them um, and I'm not sure if it was from a shop it might have been online from somebody but she finished up with selenium poisoning and uh, that was always a, a great uh, teacher for me it's not the way our medicine is supposed to work but also just the point here can that be called personalized medicine certainly not never um, and I can remember my herbal medicine lecturer used to call this style of medicine shotgun Shotgun treatment, shotgun herbal medicine, fire enough shots and hope you hit something. Um, Personalised medicine really should be more targeted to you. You need to sit down with a practitioner. They need to get a good idea of, of your background, the medical history, the things you're allergic to. You know, the, the whole the general, um, the general way a health consultation should be held before taking on many of these um, complementary or alternative medicines. Don't self-prescribe. Please don't prescribe from the internet. Um, and if you do purchase something over the counter, be actually sure to read the labels and the packages on it. Um, I would not um, 
get things, for instance, that are produced in countries that may have not as high standards of manufacture as, um, say, you might have in America or here in Australia or in the UK. But even then, people can still get caught out because uh, quite recently um, there was a report from May 2013, it actually was, and it was an outbreak of symptomatic hepatitis A virus. Um, This happened in 10 US states, and they discovered that it was associated with pomegranate arils that were imported from Turkey, manufactured in the USA by an organic group. Now, the source was traced to imported frozen pomegranate arils, and they were definitely identified as the vehicle early in the investigation because they looked at the epidemiology and they got data from lots of resources. They did genetic analysis of patients' um, samples, stool samples, etc., and then they did product tracing. Now, there were 165 cases known to have been affected, and they're only the ones that were known. Now, we know that hepatitis A is spread when human feces contaminates food or when an infected food handler prepares food without using proper hygiene. They knew that this strain was not found at all in the US and that it came from an area around Turkey. So um, medicines purchased in other countries or purchased on the internet, don't buy cheap either um, because that may actually be uh, a product that has not had the rigorous uh, testing and quality control that you need, especially as a cancer patient and especially if you are doing the each way bet and uh, on chemotherapy where your immunity can be a little bit lowered. So you can see it's quite a specialty area. Now, I just want to go through quickly some questions here that you might ask and write down. I'll put these on my blog, grayscholarmedia.com also. Um, Going to see someone who is a, um, a doctor, I think you need to write these questions. The most, what are the most commonly used complementary therapies for my symptoms? So say you're having problems from chemotherapy and you want to use some uh, complementary medicines to try to offset the symptoms. What are the most commonly used complementary therapies for my treatment side effects? So that's that one. Where can I find information about these therapies that's reliable? And I've just given you a few today and I'll provide more on the website as well. Does this hospital or surgery or clinic offer any complementary therapies or advice about them with anyone who's a specialist? In your opinion, do any of the therapies have side effects that I need to be aware of? And is it safe to use vitamin and dietary supplements? Remember, we talked about this a few weeks ago, that um, phytochemicals and vitamins and supplements are different to your your more crude nutritional fats, proteins, carbs, etc. So you need to um, ask that question whether that's safe. You need to know if it's safe to use any botanical or herbal remedies with cancer treatment. Finding a reliable therapist, is there anyone they can recommend? And are there any clinical trials that they could point you towards where complementary therapies are being sort of researched in terms of um, their affinity or contraindications with um, normal cancer um, treatments that you might be having? So that's just a little wrap-up. It's a huge subject. 
I've just tried to cover it as best I can. If you're concerned about any aspect of anything you've heard today, you can always email me, institute at gracegawler.com or you can go to the blog, the Grace Gawler Media blog. There's a contact form there on the the, uh, menu. Click that and write in your question and we'll see if we can help you. And sometimes I can organise distance Skypes or distance calls for people around the world who have got some pretty serious questions about things they might be taking and quite often I can resource and refer you into um, an area where you'll be able to get that information correctly. So in the next couple of minutes and in the last segment today we're going to look at turmeric. Um, It's got a lot of different uh, uses. It's a spice, it's a medicinal herb and it's also a dye. And um, it's found in a root of a plant. It's a member of the ginger family. It's been used uh, mainly in Ayurveda and Chinese medicines, often used as an anti-inflammatory agent, often being used for arthritis. Um, It does have a lot of other uses as well. It's perhaps one of the more well-researched complementary therapies that there is. Um, It has numerous molecular targets and uh, I will put these on the website because they're quite complex and anyone who's interested in the science can have a look at this. But we know it reduces um, inflammation and edema. We know it has a role in um, as an anti-cancer um, substance. We know it can reduce heart disease and it has many other therapeutic effects. Um, it can also accelerate wound healing, but when used too much, it can also cause bleeding. So there's that old um, old adage again, too much or too little um, can be a, a problem. Its, um, its safety measure for people with cancer has a lot of different aspects to it, and we're going to come back after the break and have a look at this. There's um, a lot of things that fly around on the internet about curcumin uh, that aren't accurate, and you really need to know with this one how to get the best quality product um, and also for the best price, but you're not going to get a good curcumin supplement cheaply on the internet. That's for sure. So don't go away. We'll be back shortly on Navigating the Cancer Maze. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Real Life Solutions. Voice America Health & Wellness. are tuned into Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller. We'd love to hear from you today on our program. Please call us toll-free from North America at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. International callers may dial in to 480-553-5759. You may also send an email to institute at gracegoller.com. Now, back to Navigating the Cancer Maze. Back on Navigating the Cancer Maze. I'm Grace Gawley, your host, and we're finishing off our section today talking about curcumin. Now, a few patients have asked me recently, what's the difference between curcumin and turmeric? How much curcumin is actually in turmeric? 
So turmeric consists of somewhere between 2% and 6% of what we know as curcuminoids. Now, since turmeric contains such very small concentrations, you need to look for a product that has at least 95% of these curcuminoids. There's hundreds and hundreds of scientific papers that confirm that clinical results using curcumin were obtained by using this high percentage. Now, I had some patients come in earlier in um, in the week, and it, they bought some um, some curcumin at a market, and it just really looked like what you'd buy in the supermarket. Um, it was uh, not a very professional-looking product. They were pleased because they'd bought it cheaply and they thought that they were doing a really um, good thing with taking this. But if you're going to add something into to take it for um, a supplement to your cancer treatment, it's important to make sure it's well-prepared and all of those things that we've just said in the last segments today. Um, so get a good quality, and I'm going to be putting a lot on the um, Grace Gawler Media blog about this and I'll probably do it over a few days so um, you can take in all the information and I'll give you a couple of fantastic sources of where to buy this best um, curcumin as a supplement if you're a cancer patient. So there's a lot around on the internet about some uh, formulations or recommendations to add uh, piperine. Um, piperinigrum in fact to enhance the absorption of curcumin in products so pepper but this additive can be a problem because many consumers it should be taken cautiously um, especially if you're taking other medications so that additive of the um, pepperine may not be a good idea at all at all um, so why 95%, some people ask, too, um, as the uh, preferred preparation? And 95% not 100%. So when we uh, have the purification between 95% and 100% curcumin, it doesn't increase the bioavailability at all. But what it does do is it makes manufacturing costs really a lot bigger than they need to be. So the 95% is great. Um, there's a new patented amazing uh, curcumin. Uh, the preparation for this curcumin is something that we actually haven't had before. And um, through oral supplementation, a lot of the curcumin that people have been taking has been you know, fairly um, low level or, or quite useless. But it is poorly absorbed, and this is one of the reasons why there's been so much energy and research and money put into how you can actually get this to absorb better in the bloodstream. Um, of course, it's one of the things that also will be rapidly uh, metabolized out, uh, so you want to keep it in there for as, as long as you possibly can. The new patented manufacturing technology of um, this curcumin increases the absorption up to 800% greater than any other standardised curcumin preparation. So I was really pleased when I found this particular product. There's two curcumin products on the market that I think are, are really fantastic and we know because we see inflammatory levels come down in patients who are using them, um, who are using them solely and not to mixed in with a whole lot of other things where you can't work out what's actually happening. So... Um, the additives, as we said before, um, put in many other products, 
try to increase the bioavailability of the curcumin. Um, lecithin's another one. Um, and you might get a spike of the level of curcumin in your blood, but it's not the way to do it for the best therapeutic use. You need to also be aware of what solvents have been used in curcumin. And this is not only actually in curcumin. This is in um, many other um products that are around on the market and the way that they're produced that some of those solvents as we mentioned if things are produced in other countries sometimes where the standards are different there may be solvents that are actually used in extracting the product that can have long-lasting contamination of the product and therefore be a problem to you so you want to get your curcumin from somewhere where they've looked at the actual raw product they've done the proper assays on it they've checked it for heavy metals they've checked it for as much standardization as you can in plant material and um, that means often that the product is going to be more expensive but i often say to patients look if you're taking one or two really good complementary therapies and um, you've got to pay a bit more isn't that better if you know it's going to work rather than paying for 10 and doing this the shotgun um, approach um, the curcumins I'm talking about as supplements today, the, the new prepared uh, ones that are better absorbed, they've actually been confirmed by in vivo clinical studies as well. So it's not only um, the work that I've uh, done in my own practice. Uh, you want to check that um, your curcumin doesn't contain what we know as stearates, um, including magnesium stearate, because Um, They're hydrogenated oil and they're actually added at the production level as a flowing agent and it actually saves on the manufacturing costs. But they're they're fatty substances and they coat the curcumin so the particles will flow rapidly through the machinery. But it's likely that that compromises uh, the bioavailability as well. So I come back to the point get a product that has been well researched you're going to be amazed when you have a look on the blog and see the wonderful information provided by um, these two manufacturers and uh, even if you have to uh, buy those on the internet and you can't get them locally you know you're actually going to be getting a really good product that does what it claims to do if you'd like to know more about um, any particular substance we've talked about curcumin today but if there's anything you'd like to know more about let me know on navigating the cancer maze and we can always do a show about that particular uh, product or about uh, its manufacture and its efficacy as a complementary therapy so time's getting us by today um next week Buckle your seatbelts, folks. (laughs) There's some really groundbreaking, amazing information that I'm going to be presenting uh, in speaking with a researcher from Melbourne University who has been researching the timing of therapeutic interventions, the timing of the immune cycle, and how that can be measured to actually have a treatment be more effective and have complete response versus a treatment given at the wrong time of an immune cycle where you might get no response or even an acceleration of um, your side effects or an acceleration of the tumor itself it's all about 
the immune system and this is really going to be fascinating um, I'm actually uh, going uh, flying tonight to actually go and pre-record um, them some interviews with this particular researcher so you'll find out about it by checking in on the e-card again or checking in on the blog during the week because I think this is going to be um, one of the most inspiring uh, interviews with just an amazing amount of new information that you, the patient, can now begin to ask your treating practitioners about to help you effectively navigate the cancer maze. So that's all for um, this week. Uh, as I said, we're going to be back next week with this very exciting um, interview and information. And remember that the show is sponsored by the Grace Gawler Institute for Integrated Cancer Solutions. We're very available. Contact us via um, our website, which is gracegawlerinstitute.com. You'll find that on the web. Have a read through there, see what we do. And uh, also remember the blog for the information about today's show. Have a wonderful week. I will really look forward to sharing the information I have with you next week on the immune cycle. Bye for now. Thank you again for listening to Navigating the Cancer Maze. Please join your host, Grace Goller, again next Friday at 12 noon, U.S. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Remember, cancer is not something you have to face alone. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 